from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast. It is the Friday Roundtable, which of course is at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and on your very favorite podcast app. Uh, as Cheryl puts up the, the horns, Blair and Rubino will be proud of the horns that you just did, Cheryl, here, here in the studio. We got the big classic rock banner behind you as well, which looks yep. very good. Uh, and uh, to chat with us about the issues of the week, we are joined by the aforementioned uh, former city councilor Cheryl Miller. Uh, we've also got uh, lawyer Matthew Reed who's here. And uh, for the first time on the round table, uh, councilor Susan Stevenson. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thank you for having us. Uh, let's start with transit. And this was a big conversation at City Hall this week where we were talking about, hey, how are we going to get transit out to the industrial areas? And there are factories that are opening and there are plants that are opening and we can't uh, get LTC buses out there, which feels to me like something that was discussed when you were on council, Cheryl. And that was almost 15 years ago. Susan, you are on council now. Uh, What is your reaction to that conversation that we're still trying to figure this out? Yeah, I think it's frustrating. And I think the people of London don't understand what the holdup is. I took a look at the last strategic plan for the LTC. It was 247 pages long. So I'm just wondering if maybe our focus should be less on planning and more on action. Well, it's, it's hard to sum up a strategy in 247 pages. It may have needed 248. That is not a strategy. That is like <laughs> a, an epic episode of War and Peace or no, something. That's, that's it's the first novel. half of a Stephen King novel is <laughs> what it is. It's a bullshit report because you know nothing will happen. It looks good. Done by an outside consultant too. Oh, even better. Oh, so yeah. cost probably oh, 50000 right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's expensive. Uh, Cheryl, this is, I saw you talking about it on Twitter this week. This is something that for me, we've been trying to do for a long time. And it, 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 I know that it's not something you can just snap your fingers on. It's not like, you know, you can magically just have buses that go to all corners of the city overnight. But we've been struggling to t- do this for a very long time and we still haven't successfully done it. Why are we here, do you think? Um, it's been 23 years since we had the industrial land strategy where we talked about um, having buses, having transportation. You can't attract industry and have workers go out to it because, first of all, they're starting starting uh, level entry jobs. I'm, I'm talking about, the, let's talk about the Maple Leaf. Maple Huge yeah, factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's going to introduce a lot of people to new jobs. You can't go out and buy a car to get there. Right so away. how do you get there? It makes sense. Come to London and we'll transport you guys. Now, one of the things too, I mean, Amazon's looking at transportation and so will VW be looking at that. So our, our agency in London, who's in charge of it is looking at it with blindfolds they don't see the issue that this is an uh, it's a generator of income and opportunities to Londoners and this has been going on for I mean over 23 years a long time and not to like bring up bus rapid transit but these are the type of things that completely make that plan of BRT like this idea pie in the sky plan because um they're trying to get people to get out of their cars and use the buses but then they can't get a bus out to um their work so like obviously then we are going to continue to be reliant on cars which is what council you know um five years ago was trying to get us to move away from so you know um and then is it really the responsibility of amazon or maple leaf or these um 
you know, big companies to be chartering buses for their employees um, to get them, you know, to some hub for LTC. Like, no, that is the responsibility of LTC to get people moving around the city. So um, there's a couple major issues here, I think, where, you know, we've been talking about this forever. We know what it's going to take. They will, you know, in a year, thanks to federal gas tax funding, expand the service hours and the routes and um, the, you know, try to find more drivers, but they're not actually getting people where they need to go. So then you're not going to have the increased ridership they want. They don't have a plan. Well, and speaking of, seeing as you brought up BRT, how committed are we to serving the people who already use public transit? They've gone all the way around Old East Village. People have to walk from there all the way down to right. Florence or all the way out to Highbury. People are really stuck. But you know what? The you can't drive through all these right now. No, you can't drive. <laughs> you can't but it is anywhere. not a safe walk either, no. or a scenic walk. Well, but scenic, but not for the reasons Their you whole want. focus at the LTC is on students. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the the money generator. And you got you hey, got. That's fair enough. That's a big portion of their ridership. But if you're not going out to where the jobs are, then it's going to stay a big portion of your ridership. Well, so, it's going to be the only portion yeah, if yeah. you don't start thinking about the industrial section and that's i mean this is a conversation going on for chair after chair after chair of of the ltc and you know don't get us wrong the students when i was on student council at western like <laughs> back when um cheryl was probably on city council um <laughs> that's when you were was flying <laughs> <laughs> um you know i remember that the student bus passes actually generated about a third of the revenue for ltc so there's a lot of money involved in it but um, just because you are generating that um, revenue doesn't mean that you can neglect everyone else. That's um, what they're doing. Which is what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, and really, like, the the people that are reaching out to me and posting on Twitter around the lack of public transit in Old East, it's, I, I really don't know how we justify it to the people. Well, we can't. That's the problem. That's what, that, see, this is what's so hard for me, is it's really simple. Let's put a plan. How are we going to do it? Well, we probably might have to have little transit buses. We might have to do this. We might. Well, let's hey, let's just try and do a demonstration project. See if it works. I want them to do it now for yeah. Old East Village. Why not have a little do shuttle that goes into the village and back out and takes them to the pickup? They've point. been talking about shuttles for years. I mean, it's the same conversation. It, it must get into people's craws I know it does mine like when the hell are you gonna do it I mean you've talked enough let's let's do it well and it's really on the board then that's there to be trying to put the management's um, and the administration's feet to the fire on this because you know if they're just going to pass reports but never actually follow up of what has actually been implemented um, you know what are the priorities Give me five of them. If, if none of them on the board, LTC board, can tell you what the top five priorities are for that organization in a year, um, then they aren't doing their jobs. So we have counselors who are on there. Um, they need to really be you know, holding them to account on this because this issue has not, it's not new. It's not going anywhere either unless there's a lot of action. You know, Susan, someone would say to us if they're, if they're hearing this conversation, they'd say, well, this is on the city of London to invest more, and they've got to invest more in LTC if they want this stuff to happen. What would your response to that be? I think similar to what the deputy mayor said, give us the business plan. Exactly. Right? Like, bring it to us. Where This pilot project that's supposed to happen at the end of the year, where is it? I'd like to see it. I haven't been able to get any details. 
You know, and it's it's interesting because there are school bus companies in London that once nine o'clock hits and they've dropped off the elementary students, uh, their their runs are done until later on um, when they have to bring high school students back. You know, there are plenty of buses out there that if they needed to have smaller, you know, um, shuttles or things from um, about town um, that, you know, they use for school purpose vehicles during the day, um, there are options there, right? Matt, um, go to the hall. Go directly to the <laughs> hall. What are you talking about? I, I'm just saying. Friendship and combined and looking at things differently. Oh, my God, we can't do we, this. We can't do innovative thinking, can well, we? If we're serious about attracting some of the spinoff uh, manufacturing <laughs> right. and stuff, what confidence do they have in us that we're going to be able to provide uh, the employees? Well, Good. that's that's fascinating because so much of what we heard about when that Volkswagen announcement happened, and, and I'll to be fair, I was skeptical about mm-hmm. this, is that there's going to be 30,000 spinoff jobs. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's worth investing the large amounts of money that the province and feds and ads, but that, that's, that's not what we're going to talk about right now. Uh, so, okay, there's going to be 30,000 spinoff jobs. How many of those jobs are going to come to London? A lot. You would hope. Yes. But if this is going to be a situation where we want to have, you know, parts making going on sort of in the, in the industrial area of the city and no one can get to those places... Well, maybe those jobs are going to wind up going to St. Thomas. Maybe they're going to wind up going to Ingersoll or to Windsor or, you know what I mean? Like, so we've got to be on the ball with this stuff. Most people, when they buy a house, check with the neighbors, ask around how it is. If any of these manufacturing companies asked the current local manufacturers, uh, it seems like they've been quite vocal to say that there's a, you know, a, a big missing piece here. Yeah, and the city's got to get its shit together because we are out of industrial land. St. Thomas one-ups us all the time. Because they have a lot of available farmland out, like at the outskirts of their And thing. they put it together. Yeah, and if you look at, there's huge growth happening in St. Thomas, like the building boom um, yeah. in the southeast end and the northeast end down there is massive. So they're kind of, and you know, you have affordability, like more so than London, although that's not... Not true. It's either. not the twenty five percent difference no. it used to be. Um, that they <laughs> was their great take line. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it came, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, please. It came up as a question on the debate. You know, we had a high unemployment rate and a high va- job vacancy rate. What was the mismatch? Yeah, mm-hmm. getting there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if it's that, that simple? Yeah, it is. Plus, St. Thomas got a dynamic mayor. I'll tell you, he's aggressive. He goes out and gets it. And if you don't generate jobs and opportunities. The communities don't have enough money to address the social service. So you gotta you got to look after the money maker to do the rest of it. Good transition. Let's talk about social services here in the city. It's almost like you knew what's on the sheets today, Cheryl. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh Morgan was on this podcast on Tuesday, and he was talking about the health and homelessness plan. He's met with Doug Ford. He's met with Justin Trudeau. He's met with various cabinet ministers. Okay, that's great. Uh, and and I, I don't say that facetiously. It is great. We should be talking about these things. When do you think the public should expect to start seeing results on this? Or do you think that we shouldn't expect to see? Because, look, there's at least $25 million, up to $35 million that's going to be available. When do you think we should start expecting to see results on this show? Before I went to sell it? Like, you know, it's almost like a snake oil salesman. (laughs) I've got a deal for you guys, upper levels of government. I want you to put the money into this plan. What the hell is it? Show it to me. Well, we, we, we can't because we don't have it, but we're going we're gonna to do hubs. And, and here's the problem. Like, it's great the upper levels are giving 25, 30 million, whatever the number Maybe. is. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, is that going to be enough, right? Um, 25 million is a great start, but is it going to solve everything? Um, what are the priorities? Um, and also like the challenge with homelessness is such a, a complex issue. So, you know, as chair of the health unit, we, you know, know that social determinants of health really like homelessness is a huge part of that because if you're worried about where you're going to be sleeping, you're not going to be worried about going to the doctor to get your toe checked out that, um, you know, is infected. So um, there's issues there, but, you know, we have to be worrying about like housing them, like getting them um, actual permanent residents. Um, you know, eventually we need to be getting them wraparound services. So that's why things like Inwell that just opened up a new um, uh affordable housing on Dundas with um, Edgar and Joe's um, from the Goodwill um, trying to provide jobs for um, the residents. These are the type of partnerships and things that need to happen, but it's a integrated kind of community and 25 million very well could just be a drop in the bucket of what we actually need. To look after homeless one year, $9 million a year. <clears throat> that's not even looking at capital. And that's not actually solving anything Nothing. that is just putting band-aids on flesh wounds Correct. right and that's my um concern here we get a bigger cash infusion well now we need to build um the housing well where do we do that every oh, time God. they try to no, build city something cannot. no um, city no no housing absolutely no. <laughs> right. do not get involved do not even suggest the city build housing i'm not which is why things Good. like Indwell is so exactly um, it, like, the not for you know, profits yeah absolutely. the not-for-profits who actually are going to <clears throat> provide the wraparound services that is really where the money needs to be flowing to right. um but there's such a backlog with construction and rising costs there that 25 million to build houses now is going to have way less impact in five years when they probably are finally going to be able to start dealing with it and actually have the money in hand so um yeah they need to move as quickly as possible um i don't want this to be another 256 page plan that um, doesn't actually get off the shelf. And well, let's just actually I'd like to see Susan. some pages of a plan, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, the money, it's it's not just about the amount of money, it's how it's spent. Mm -hmm. exactly. I've been asking around the last uh, women's shelter for 650000 I want to be able to say to the people of London, look what we did with 650000 we need more. Like, let's celebrate this. But instead, there's this cone of silence. Th that moved very quickly. Right? That, that location was found and done. It wasn't consulted through me. The community improvement plan wasn't consulted. It went against the core area action plan. So they can move fast when they want to. But is it in the right direction? And who's leading it? And who's in charge of this? Do we have one accountable person? We just had a, uh, our, new, uh, our next chief of police come in and say, hey, I'm coming here. And when we do good things, it's these guys. And when it goes wrong, it's me. I want that person in charge of homelessness. Like I want somebody to take that kind of accountability and ownership on it and that will share and be transparent and tell us how to help because we have a community of people here who all want this resolved. But that's the problem. Who is in charge? First of all, <clears throat> uh, when I hear, I hear that it, uh, senior administrations are, are doing it. Um, and then... Doesn't the buck have to just stop with the mayor though? This is announced at his State of the City address. E exactly. Yeah. And it has to stop with the mayor's the support of council to the mayor because you don't you don't say to senior administration the mayor shouldn't i want you to set this up without any any votes or any motions or anything passed by council 
Has anything been passed by council on this whole thing? Well, we have endorsed the plan. Well, I've asked for a business case in terms of the money. How can you but, endorse but even, the plan? Even, well, exactly. That's the thing. So we're, we're trying to be a team here. And yes, we're on board. But what are we on board on? Where is it going? You're can not a least, team, Susan. We, you're not a team. This is politics. <laughs> you're a, you yeah, represent your to constituents. Yeah. There is no team on council. And if anybody ever thinks that, they're awfully naive. They're allies, right? No. Everyone is individual. Absolutely. Like, you know, they're a, an they're island unto themselves, really. But, you know, yeah, like council endorsed um, the idea that um, they want to eradicate homelessness or help support um, the those issues of course they did what it's like politician big. is I'm not, not sure going that's to in the plan to eradicate it or end it so it's support it and uh, to support so you support and you could have like we have, we're talking about up to 35 million dollars here you could have 350 million dollars and not end it of course like so i don't think we should be talking about ending it with no. this number of dollars i don't think it's possible no. no, but it'd be nice to know we're at least headed in that direction. Yeah. And what are the metrics, right? You, like in right. business, you need metrics to be able to say, was it successful or not? And if you just simply say, hey, the, good news, everyone, we words. spent $35 million, um, but we don't know if it actually moved the needle at all. Well, I, like that's not I asked helpful. on the 650 just how much was capital, how much was operating, mm. and people went wild. You know, in, in the accounting world, if you ask about stuff and there's this huge pushback and you can't know this and don't look here and there's, everything's fine, don't you trust me? That's a bit of a flag. And honestly, for people, just individuals, right? If you're asking your kid or your husband about their phone and they don't want you to see it and they get all defensive, I'm not saying anything's wrong, but... What, what's the problem let's, with looking? Let's take a look. And I've got no problem with taking a look. We should. I, I think that the, the, this stuff should be exceedingly transparent. Oh. Exceedingly transparent. Hold on, hold on. However, thank you for the bell. Uh, <laughs> however, when that's not the way it goes, of course, people are going to wonder why is it not this way. I get that it's complicated. And I get that we're in a situation here where there are people, and I really and I truly believe this, there are people that have the best of intentions and that think that they're right about what the best steps are moving forward and helping people who are dealing with addiction or homelessness in this city that would have diverging views on how to do with this yeah. than how to do it. Uh, but just even though that's sort of part of the subtext here that there's disagreement sort of even among the people that have the same end goal, we've still got to be somewhat aligned here because this opportunity with the up to $35 million that ain't coming again. We're not going to have someone just write us that check every year for the foreseeable future. That's not going to happen. But let's look back, reflect back on the wonderful report by Chris Mackey and uh, Maureen. And well, Matt was, Brown was the, the mayor at the time, but yes. Uh, I don't use that. No, name. it doesn't. <laughs> so um, the, the report had, I don't know, 200 and some yep. odd different recommendations with no costing. None. Not, nothing. Mm -hmm. So that that big huge piece of paper on the shelf there's only one plan and i'm not going to brag about it but i'm going to talk about it the millennium committee almost got a staff member fired because he said you can't bring a report in like this with all these wishes without a budget if you don't have a budget you can't sit down and have an effective debate debate to decide what we're, what we're going to spend and it was a significant amount of dollar we brought it in with with a with a budget, so council got everything on a piece of paper. Here's what we want. This is how we're going to do it, and here's the budget. 
Where the hell is that? So Cheryl, do you think yes. that report, because it is only, I don't know, seven years old from Mackie and Maureen, do you think like that's a good starting point of, hey, let's actually cost this and try to apply some of no, the $35 I, million to it? I don't. And I, like, I want to talk so about something of... that I want to talk about something that you and your colleagues at the, the Board of Health did, Matt, which was you sent a letter to the province uh, last month saying, hey, social assistance rates are way too low and they need to be increased because this is a public health issue. This is causing significant public health problems for people in this city, which I thought was great. And I'm glad that you and the Middlesex London Health Unit Board did that. That report, the, the, the advisory panel on poverty one from 20, it was pre 2016, let's say 15. Um, that was in there, but it was kind of buried in the back yeah. when it should have been Number one. The headline item, yeah. right? Would you would you agree with that, Matt? Like, yeah. So, for anyone who hasn't seen the letter, when you look at the income for a single um, person on ODSP, they get about thirteen hundred dollars a month. So, in London, and this is a couple years um, out of date, but rent was approximately eleven hundred dollars. So, they were left with, um, you know, an expectation that they'd have to spend four hundred dollars for a single person on food each month which if you do the math actually leaves them with n less than like a negative $200 right. each month. And that's We're not even talking clothes, bus passes, anything. Uh, electricity, yeah. like um, they're going to be in their um, apartment in the dark, right? Um, so these are all, you know, examples here. So we did send it to the province to try to raise the issue of um, the need for raising ODSP and OW rates. We were on, I was on this podcast maybe a year ago and we were talking about the election promises and the provincial election of um, raising the um, rates for OW and ODSP. And even with the proposed changes that have gone into play, um, uh, someone on ODSP today is actually making less money than they were when Mike Harris made the massive cuts to the programs. Um, because it simply hasn't kept up with inflation. The cost of living is through the roof. Yeah. Come on, I mean we. Food has gone up ten percent. Terribly because yeah. you're paying for the, for the carbon tax because everything we eat is transported here. Like we can go on and on and on, and I mean that's number one priority, um, and that's not something. I mean that's something that that it should be in your report, Susan, yeah. that comes in that says we have to support, because I'm quite sure council is on record saying we've got to get more money into the hands of uh, on ODSPA. We've been talking about that for years. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not happening. It's not materializing. <clears throat> but Susan's stuck in a situation which, which my heart bleeds for you, because if you ask a question and you can't get an answer, mm -hmm. then... What the hell are you like? You're and not even elected. not get an answer, but you're you actually elected. get blowback for the questions, oh, I know. right? Like you are you I trying don't like to the get information? It gives me the answer. But yeah, but, you, but if you're, you're not getting it. Yeah, you're not getting Nobody the answer, is. and you're just getting the pain with not, nothing to show for it. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what a hub is. I don't know what we're having two hubs. Where are they? What's incorporated? How much capital? How much maintenance? Like there's all these questions out there. So how the hell can I support something that I don't? No. Well, that's the frustrating thing for me, too, is I ran on this issue, right? right. I, I represent Old East Village. It affects the whole city, but that area is on fire. Mm -hmm. I ran on this issue. I ran on financial accountability, and I'm being shut down at every corner. 
And uh, what do I say to the people? Because I'm also being denied the information, right? I've been asked not to attend the summits right up until the last one. I was asked not to attend again. Um, and Your so counselor. if I'm hogtied, <laughs> that's not, you know, I think the residents have a right to know. And if you show up there at the same time with two other counselors, that's a problem too. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't uh -huh. tell you we were going to talk about that, so I'm not going to ask you for comment on that. Uh, I'll I, take the accountability. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so I... Here's here's what I would wonder about that. So there there was the the situation with 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 safe space, and, and there are people that are going to say, Susan, hey, you you really don't like safe space, and you have a problem with safe space. <laughs> yeah, and I've Tell said me, it has what's nothing, your to, it's to, nothing to do with the organization. I wish I didn't even have to say their name. My yeah. issue truly is with the city. Uh, the five we approved the five million dollar. We didn't prove we received the five million dollar winter response plan, and we were told something. And then when I ask questions about it, I'm denied the information. And that social another social service agency was added to Old East Village, despite our core area action plan, despite our community improvement plan, with no knowledge to me, no public consultation. It was done in a rush. I heard from a resident. So. Oh, that's a good way for a counselor no, to No, it's hear. not acceptable. No, it isn't. And? I'd be so pissed, honestly. But, I, like, what, what is her recourse? This is the problem if she brings forward a motion and gets shot down. All the time. Um, you know, like, well, unfortunately, you've got to be working. Well, and I don't mind. You notice I voted working. against my own motion. Yeah, and no me. one's it's, asking about that. Explain, oh, explain, explain that for I me. know why you did. <laughs> yeah. so, so the way it went, it looked as though I, was, I tried to withdraw it and voted against it because I didn't want it to be a decided matter of counsel, when that wasn't it at all. I mean, you only try once at that. If it didn't go through, it was already. It's it, done. This whole decided yeah. matter of counsel was really just a redundant. It sounded good, but that wasn't it. So I decide to bring this motion forward. I don't have the votes for it, but I want it on public record how the city councillors choose to spend those precious dollars of the taxpayers and uh, serving the vulnerable population. I want it on public record. Which is so, smart. So what is like, it? Cheryl public. and I have done those votes oh, before with always. our different boards where like you need to, if you're going to be holding people accountable, yep. they need to be voting on the record so that it's um, out there in public. Otherwise, like people don't know where you right. um, stand. So, so what happened in between me bringing that forward, boldly knowing that it might fail, but wanting it on the public record, and me asking to withdraw it and voting no against it? Nothing wrong with that. It's the same as somebody said, well, why would you second it? Because you get it on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. You want to discuss the item. If you're frightened of discussing it, don't, don't, don't. I put would it on have floor. voted yes. Yes. But yeah. I could not. So mm -hmm. something changed between the time I brought that forward and the time I went to vote. So that will be a story for another day. Oh, was right. that an in-camera discussion? Oh, God. Well, something changed in camera then. That, that, we're allowed to say that. Yep. Uh, Want to ask you one more thing about it. Uh, there are, there's the thought that, uh, hey, if we, if we don't have safe space in Old East London, that's going to make the situation worse in Old East Village. Uh, do you agree with that thought, or is that something that you've you've considered as part of the as part of no, what's going I on? No, I mean here? we need social service agencies there. Um, you know, I, 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 we're not against that, but there's an oversaturation yes, there. there Number That's 69 fair, of the core area action plan said there's a perceived overconcentration. They were to look at whether that was true, whether it was needed to be in mm -hmm. there, and if it was needed, what to do about it. And uh, it completely disrespected there. They updated the uh, How to Find Help in Hard Times booklet and said that was done on the core area action plan. No. Complete slap in the face 
to the people in the core area. Um, and so to add another one in, against knowing everything that you're doing, how does that make the situation better? I've heard, you know, the concern about these women, these vulnerable women who can't even go to a regular shelter, yet you're going to put that shelter on a street that yeah. is practically a shelter with all of the things that you don't want them to be around right there? Here, here's something else I would love for you to, um, in these reports to actually take into effect. So I'm the vice chair of the Humane Society. So thank you for the contribution from council towards mm -hmm. a new shelter. But something that often gets overlooked with these discussions is what actually happens to, when someone becomes homeless to their animals. And, um, you know, trying to, it's not just about wraparound services that is needed, um, but we need to be looking at all facets of it. It's not just about housing. It's not just about getting them a family doctor. Um, we have to be looking at all of these different things. So, um, you know, I'd love for council to be really, um, you know, taking holistic approaches when they're talking about these issues, um, because I think that's what like is needed. Um, you know, you can't just sort of deal with this problem with one piece of pizza. You need to yeah. look at the whole if pie. If I was the anonymous donor, I would be phoning up and saying, I think I'm taking my money back because I don't know what the hell you're doing. He gave that money to address homelessness. Yeah. Is and it going a desperate need? It's an urgent desperate need. Of course there is. But what is it going to? Is it like I'm worried that it's going to create infrastructure without yes. helping one person. And, and that's a that's huge concern. Without the that's service and, and to regarding, And regarding yeah. safe space, though, when we talk about that, how do I feel about that? Well, imagine how it was presented, too. It was already decided. It was put in without consultation and against what we already know, without discussion. And then it was supposed to be temporary. I was told it was four months. And then it was longer. That's the problem. So, it's and how long? And do we really want a temporary place? And if it's not 24-7, we're kicking women out onto the street for part of the day. So At night, too. Yeah. And here's, here's what I would say about that is I understand two different perspectives of this. One, is there an oversaturation of services in Old East London right now? Absolutely. Yes. There's an oversaturation downtown as well. Mm -hmm. there, there are two wards where that is a thing. It's there four and 13. I think we've all established that. However, there's also the other side of that coin, which is, is this where those services are needed? Is that the part of the city where this should be because it's, it's more easily accessible or are there people who are needing those services who spend more of their time in that in, in those areas of the city? Like so, there are and other I don't know if there's parts. an end. Yeah, there well, are the core other area action areas. plan committed to finding it out and never did it. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. there there's, are pockets in the city, right? But um, what you don't want is like, you know, a region park from Toronto, kind of like uh, an area where, um, you know, everything is sort of concentrated um, because that can breed like concerns. So, yeah. you know, council like tries to have like pockets of low income and um, affordable housing spread out. But every time they try to do that, the local neighbors are up in arms because they don't want. Well, what um, happened if we said know, we're that. putting safe space in Woodfield? Oh, How would that go? Try oh, it. And it would, <laughs> there would be torches and pitchforks yeah. outside of your house the next day. Like, <laughs> Well, that's another question, yeah. though. Why is it? Why can't we do it better? Yeah. Right? And, and what is the saturation downtown? Like, what's down? The downtown has minimal compared to Old East. Yeah, that's that's fair. Now there's uh, there, there's going to be some services in the core. Uh, we don't have as much of the uh, 
uh, Ontario works in ODSP in the core anymore. That's been kind of spread out. Yeah. out the supervised the injection site supervised is now by like down it's York. Gone. Um, so yeah, it's but it's, it's it's still it's in Old East. It's still yeah. in thirteen. It's in Old East. Well, fair enough. It, it's it's it's, it's, it's yeah. right in the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you would have. Uh, there, there are obviously social services in the court, some of the churches that are that are down here and things along those lines. Again, is it as much as Old East? There, I'm not saying it is. There isn't. But there's more in, if we're just doing it from a ward boundary perspective, there's more in Ward 13 than there is in Ward 7, than there is in Ward 9, right? Yeah. Because they can't get LTC priorities. out to parts. We've got Main Street, <laughs> we've got Main Street plans that we're doing with, on, with one hand, right. and with another hand, we're doing things that totally counteract that. That's the problem. Right. Really, and you're you're <clears throat> you want employment, you want opportunities, you want retail because you want to treat it like a, um, a shopping district with an interaction mm-hmm. with community. And let's people. be honest, it's a safety issue. Of course, it is. So but when when even when we talk that? about housing these people, um, we're causing a lot of problems housing that like just putting people into our social housing units i'm getting a lot of calls from people in social housing oh. that don't feel safe they have bed bugs and everywhere. they don't have options <laughs> they don't have any place to that's go that's why the city doesn't build well that's yeah that's the well when the city builds it goes bor- poorly <laughs> yes. here's the thing though you, you mentioned you know the, the people don't feel safe if if folks are not feeling safe if, if we're putting folks into housing and the people around them aren't feeling safe, where are we supposed? To, where, where where are they supposed to go? That's my what. what but do it's we do? like we're not. Yeah. Ta- it's like the elephant in the room to right. a certain degree, right? We talk about housing first. Housing is health. Okay, and do we really walk down the street and say that person just needs a place to live? That's yeah. all they need. Yeah. It that, isn't that. That isn't because, the answer. Because if we had no. a bunch of people, if we had four hundred people that didn't have a place to go f- via some tragedy, we'd be opening up community spaces and gymnasiums. We'd be housing them. They would not be on the street. Well, what, Matt what was talking the, about Endowell, and yeah. the part that he says that's the most important part that we forget about. It isn't about housing. It's the full wraparound services in that housing. Yeah. You can't, don't expect to give somebody a place to live and then walk away and say, survive. And if you do that well, the surrounding community doesn't feel the negative impacts. Correct. Yeah, and but like, what is the wait list right now for public housing? Isn't it like forty thousand? Yeah, it's like very really no. Big. You don't that, like, that it's, no like, no. It's, it isn't right. That number isn't right because the like, software will tell you. Oh shit, that doesn't work, does it? So we don't know, Matt. Because know. people leave the city, they get housing elsewhere. They're still on the list. They might have been on that list ten years, and the whole problem is, is we really don't know. Okay, so I mean. I think we can agree, though, there is a long list, and they usually tell them, oh, we've put you on the list. You'll be there for three years before you can, you know, get an affordable unit. You know, so what are their options at that point? Rent is going, like, up like crazy here. It is unbelievable how much it has changed from, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And so these people, like, they need to have these options, the temporary options, but every time it, it's it's like every six months the city comes up with a new plan and it's almost like oh winter's coming um just like in game of thrones and we need to now figure out what we're going to do with them and um create a plan they don't actually have a five-year plan right they just sort of <laughs> put band-aids on it to try and deal with the city issue your ass planning yeah. well and that's supposedly what this new plan is supposed to do is be a long-term plan and the results from the uh, winter response are coming out at the end of this month. Mm. And I'm very interested to see that because that matters. If we did not create 
results with this with this five million, why is the public going to be confident we're going to do better with the twenty five million? <laughs> we need to at least acknowledge what isn't working. I'm sure we're doing lots that is working, but there's something that we're doing that isn't working based on the results in our core area. I also worry about the staff out there, whether they work for London Cares or Regional HIV AIDS Connection or you know addiction services that, you know, like how. I worry about how they are looking at these issues and if they think we're making any progress and how they look at, you know, like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Um, and, you know, these are people who are working in the trenches that really need to be front and center in these discussions um, of what needs to happen because, um, you know, if they, you know, if you start losing these people who are specializing in um, trying to help these you know in risk populations um like the issue is only going to get worse i worry about all our frontline people burning them out right of course they how, how does it feel to be work at the emergency room with a 22-hour wait list to go around to the encampments with no shelter spaces to turn people away at the shelter space you know for the city employees to, the to mental you know health. deal with the odsp right. and know that you people can't survive no the mental no. health issues in emergency wards are horrible no. <clears throat> and it, it's not a good scene out there, and I've said all along that we don't have a national strategy because this is not unique to London. No. This is unique to Canada, and it's unique to United States. So it's in North, it's all over the world. We have no national strategy. It's piecemeal, a bit of yeah. money here, a bit of money. It's the carrot and the stick. There is no national pro. At policy and there's no provincial policy we don't have a national policy because any time the federal government like they will kick this over to the province mental health health care social services they are squarely in the provincial kind of realm. I got it but they still should have a national plan because they collect the majority of the money and that's where we get it from. yeah they need to start enveloping money to the province and um, restricting it to make sure that these issues are being addressed because, because it's, it's not happening no it's kicked to municipalities and you guys it's tough you can only charge through your taxes so they don't have a lot of opportunity and money in the no. municipality so the more you kick down means the more you kick down and the municipality kicks down because but the bottom line is it's our people on our streets and we we've got to do better than we're doing right now but you don't you don't have the abilities to raise the funds and the problem is there's going to be more downloading um you know from the health unit we're seeing it where um covid mitigation funding is going to be ending um not to say that we need um the same staffing levels and everything that we had before but the province has actually during covid cut the amount of funding they are going to be giving to health units so the city is going to potentially be getting a million dollar surprise they know about it we've been um, communicating this for years but they're literally downloading these costs onto the municipalities who already are stretched thin and their only ability is to then raise um, property tax they have no other um, way and my issue i've always talked about how i have such a problem with property tax because um, it is so regressive. It right. is based on your property value. Nothing um, agree, and yeah. it Nothing actually isn't, um, you know, like impacting, you know, the very ultra wealthy the same way that is impacting your average, um, you know, residents. So, you know, it's... You better have your report that goes to council with all the facts and figures because <laughs> I remember the screw up when you guys moved from where you were 
down beside the courthouse and you moved to city center and you had computers, you had files, you had all kinds of shit in there. And the cost that was promised to the community is it's not going to cost anymore. We're going to save money. Didn't. Yeah. You didn't. So, like, you've got a history, Matt, of not providing um, full budget, full disclosure. And that seems to be the problem anymore. Everybody's keeping everything to their chest. I want to know. Susan wants to know. You want to know. Craig wants to know. Everybody who pays the freight wants to know, and we're not getting any answers. Well, and part of it is right now, here we are middle of May, and the provincial government has still not told um, the health unit for 2023 if we are getting a 1% or 2% increase to the base funding from the province, if we're getting mitigation funding. So there's a lot of question marks right now of, you know, are we going to have to go back to the city and say, oh, by the way, they haven't increased um you know any funding guess where now it has to fall on to right yeah, so you part might of have the problem to look at your infrastructure to decide whether or not there's people you want to keep uh there's programs you want to keep i think when we're going through a situation where everybody needs or wants more money then we have to start looking at what's For necessary sure. yeah. not nice yeah. yep yeah and i think people expect that of us yeah. uh, i want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up first to just get started I really didn't know very well what was in the pages of my passport before this week. Now I know you quite need, well. You need to travel more then. <laughs> I, clearly I do. What else do you do in the airport? Yeah. Flip through it? <laughs> well, most of my traveling comes through uh, crossing the border in a car, so I'm, I'm driving right until I hand my passport over. Uh, either way, uh, I didn't really know it was on there, but uh, now I do. Uh, there were pictures of Terry Fox, the Blue Nose, Vimy Ridge, other historical Canadian events. Those are now being replaced with generic art, including one piece of art in which it appears that the young man jumping into the river is of four different ethnicities, which, okay, one for each limb. Uh, (laughs) At the the end of the day, the passport thing doesn't matter that much, but is it an own goal for the government or is this something that's going to be gone by the end of the week, do you think? Well, I think it's terribly bullshit because let's let's be honest. We were replaced, the real stuff, Vimy, National treasures and icons. Absolutely, with with maple leaves and fairy dust and all the rest of it because we're doing that because it's going to be more secure. So the next breath from the minister says, yeah, but don't don't worry because we've got a huge supply of the old passports and they're absolutely just as safe. So I heard one thing and then I heard another which are completely contradictory. And like we live in a country where we give passports out, like bubble, like hockey cards and bubble gum, and yet we give them. You come across Roxport, we give it to pseudo Canadians who don't ever live in Canada. Like the 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 government has to say, if why are we mailing their passport to this country or that card? They're only Canadians when they need the flight out. So, like, to me, this is all I'm going to say about it. This is, this is a squirrel because with all the shit that's going on in Ottawa and the government and the expenses and the problems and the carbon tax, et cetera, that I don't want to focus on the passport. I want to it, focus it on is, the stuff yeah, but that's really It is different. a red herring, conservative but the conservatives MPs are pretty are going, excited about the yeah, passport. Yeah. yeah. Paul Avera is out there, like, making beating his drum and True. making this, um like, a bigger issue than it is. Because ultimately, like, you know, 
what what is in those pages is not going to impact um you know change people's lives right um like they're still going to be able to travel the actual document is the passport that you need but um you know when you are trying to you know quite honestly disrespect um veterans which is how they are seen Absolutely. you know eliminating vimy ridge um you know like put pages about the poppies put um you know like personally i don't i don't know enough about the blue nose um except for that's on the dime to really care read about it but like you know it's there's history, history yeah, there absolutely. and you know why are we changing it into pictures of birds and you know not even like we're changing like, everything in history yeah, yeah it, like it's Canada, just such an unnecessary thing i don't know what they were trying what problem was there that they were trying to solve with what this. i tweeted about it was there's basically one thing Canadians all agree on right now. That's, oh, yeah, we think Terry Fox is great. No one wanted to see less Terry Fox. Right. No one's like, all right, we've had enough of this guy. Like, that that wasn't, like, the public attitude about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it just it just seems like a bizarre series of decisions to get the point where, all right, let's get Terry out of there. Like, we, like well, most Canadians are like, no, no, we want to put Terry on more stuff. Like, not less, right? And veterans. Yeah. Like, yeah. Canada is the snickerdoodle of the world. <laughs> we don't know what the hell it is, but... It's nice, and we got to stop being nice. I don't care if there's squirrels and all kinds of shit in the passport. I want, I'm going to, I said I wouldn't say anymore. I think you have to respect our history. We don't. We're changing it. We're erasing it and rubbing it out. So I, I, I get where he's yelling about it, but a lot of other people are yelling about it too. Yeah, I sure. think it's just a symbol of, how out of touch they are with yeah. what matters to people. Yeah. yeah. It's not so much, uh, to me, it's just like there's stuff that we all should be able to agree there are, there are great parts of Canadian history. Like, let's do that. So if you want to like, all right, we're not putting Sir John and McDonald in the passport anymore. Like, okay, fine, do whatever. Yeah. I don't care about that. There's going to be, there's going to be public disagreement as far as, as, as far as his legacy. There but were First Nations, like Aboriginal, yeah. um, like pages in there recognizing like, you know, some important moments there. Like there were, it was, it wasn't just about like, oh, there were a bunch of old prime ministers like, um, you know, from the Fathers of Confederation page. Like you you want to kind of like um, move past that because of, you know, the problems that are coming to light. They were always around, but people are now more aware of them. Um, for sure, like not to say that there couldn't have been other, um, you know, meaningful things put into the, you know, the passports, but to you know, at this stage, I would have rather every page just have a maple leaf or something instead of like what they're proposing, which is like actually just trees and it. butterflies. And, yeah, it's there. Printing it's it. there. And like Craig said, Terry Fox, I mean, of yeah. all times right now, we could use that model of grit and commitment and overcoming circumstance. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and yeah, it just, it just feels to me again. The general Canadian attitude is, no, we, I want to see Terry's face on more yeah. things, not less things. I also thought it was interesting. They brought this out a week after all of the striking was happening, and yeah. they were telling people, don't apply unless you really need it because, oh, you nice. know, there's backlogs and this. And, um, you know, now they're trying to, like, yeah. you know, bring this out as if it's the most important, like, you know, advancement that they, their government has I want to say one thing, Susan. You get a lot of shit for what you do. Because when you ask for accountability, people don't like that. I want to say thank you for doing it. Mm -hmm. Here, here. Well, I'm not done yet. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? And, and here's the thing. Well, uh, uh, it's gonna get uh, like on the internet. There's gonna be some people that are not happy about the way that this sort of 
played out, but it's because I'm here. It's they're mad at Matt, <laughs> which is Matt's fine. Fault. Which is fine. Uh, people can be mad at Matt He's all the way. That's two evil women here. I, I actually am the rose between the two thorns right now. <laughs> Careful, you gotta walk out with two thorns. Not here. everyone would agree. <laughs> Uh, we'll wrap it up there just because we're, uh, we're up against it and, the, and we need to clear the studio. So thank you very much to Cheryl and to Matt and to Susan for doing the, uh, the Friday Roundtable with us. And thank you very much to all of you for listening, downloading, subscribing to the Craig Needles podcast. Certainly appreciate that. And we will talk to you on next week's episodes. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.